Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, joining me today is Terry Erickson. Uh, and Terry, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Kata Consulting. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay, perfect. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Why, why, are, why are you joining me today other than I asked you? So, um, good. Uh, for 25 <laughs> years, I have been working in the construction and design industry, and I originally was a structural engineer, and I worked for 20 years doing structural engineering, and I went and became an engineering manager, and I'm trying to get our workflow kind of organized and under control, and I... Um, uh, got a little frustrated with within that system being able to transform and change processes. So I went out on my own and am now a continuous improvement coach helping architects, engineers, constructors, trade partners who provide for that industry and helping them improve. And I am finding Kanban method to be a method that is deeply needed by that industry to help organize workflow and synchronize teams. Yeah. Right. So I, I, you know, just from what I know of you, you, you essentially are able to talk to people using the very terms that they're comfortable using because of your background. And I think that that's amazing to be a coach in that particular space because, you know, you know what they're saying. Unlike a lot of coaches, you know, that we've had to walk into environments for meatpacking or financial services. And it's like, what, what, what did you just say again? So, so that's good. Great. Plus, traditionally, and, we haven't really let a lot of continuous improvement coaches into our industry. And so right. there's not, there's kind of this open terrain for improvement. Yep. Yep. Um, and the industry that you're primarily working with is construction. Yeah. Design and construction of buildings mm -hmm. at this point, um, but could also be roads and horizontal construction, but mostly buildings at this point. Sure. Okay. So Terry, one thing before we get into the specifics of what Kanban really is, you, you mentioned that the industry that you're in, there's not a lot of appetite for continuous improvement, but using Kanban, you've been able to show the need for it. What go, go a little deeper on that. Okay. So that's a great point, Rand. Um, Often people are optimizing work at the local area, in other words, within their own workflow, and they think everything's going okay, because mostly often we're doing the thing where we throw work over the, you know, over the wall to the next guy and everything's great. I don't know what happened to it, but it's great. But when we start visualizing work and we start visualizing, in other words, making it visible, um, what happens is, is people start seeing the interconnections of the work between others, and then they start realizing that, oh, maybe, maybe I do have a little hunger for improving. I, I think we skipped over the obvious things like what, what the heck is Kanban, right? I mean, I think it's one of those words that everybody's heard uh, a fair bit. So um, what, how, how would you answer that question to somebody if they said, you know, what's this Kanban thing you keep talking about? So I guess the first thing I would do is, is I would delineate between Kanban and Kanban method. Um, and because I did spend like five years in manufacturing, because part of it was as I went into manufacturing to try to learn lean and lean principles in the manufacturing environment. They use the word in lean, they use Kanban to um, mean like a bin system where you have maybe like um, a, a, a bin filled with bolts and another bin filled with bolts. And then when the first bin is, is empty, 
you pull the second bin forward and you and you send someone off to fill the next bin that's mm-hmm. that's empty so that it's like this replenishment process and it's a pull system yep. um so um so that is the first piece um and i learned that the hard way because anybody in manufacturing will generally think when they hear the word kanban they'll think of some kind of a physical inventory binning system okay so kanban method is um is what I, where I f- find use is that it organizes workflow and it helps to create, make it visible and it helps yep. us to improve. Yep. Nice. Yeah. The story that, uh, that I've always liked and, and, and used is uh, in Japan, in, in the, the Imperial Garden, there's uh, a chit system attached to the, to the gate. And there's so many physical, you know, I think they're initially they were made of wood and what you do to get in is you just go up and take one of those uh, chits and then you'd go into the park and you'd see this now more and more. Well, you did before COVID uh, when we had amusement parks open and things like that. But uh, you know, you'd see that kind of idea in terms of how much load can the park safely handle. And so, you know, like you said, uh, a Kanban is really going to be one of those methods that we use or, or techniques, I suppose, that we use to measure workflow and control workflow. Another example that a lot of people are familiar with is, uh, you know, if you go to a Starbucks or a Caribou or something like that, the cups themselves uh, are functioning as a Kanban for the people that are working behind the counter. So, yeah, it's a really universal system, I, I, absolutely. And, you know, you've mentioned many times it's it's been ironic to go through these different environments and hear people talking about the same thing but in very different ways and so kind of does that bring us us up to the data and construction where you're at right now so yes and the, i think the thing that goes along with any conversation about kanban method being impl- uh, uh, utilized in a group or within a team is is the maturity level because yeah. there's like these remnants of things that kind of look like Kanban method, but then there's different levels of maturity where teams are actually doing more advanced practices and they're actually um, learning and growing at a at an increasing rate. Right. Yeah. When you bring, you know, that's that's been the interesting jump is, is, you know, as you mentioned, manufacturing, anything tangible, it's pretty easy to see if your machines are functioning at full capacity, you just look and see. Uh, with knowledge work and knowledge workers, it's, it's harder to do that, right? Like if I'm staring off into the distance, you know, am I working or, or, am, or am I imagining, you know, how bad rush hour is going to be on the way home? Like, I, we don't know. And so using these sorts of ideas to help us unhide again or unsurface that work that uh, is going on in, in the minds of our knowledge workers uh, is really kind of what we're trying to get to. And, and especially in construction, the, the first part of construction, a lot of design, a lot of theory, a lot of thinking, I could easily see where, where something visual would be really helpful uh, to, to get people to see, you know, just how much work they really do have. Well, and we probably like software development has a problem of we like to keep people really busy and they're not always busy on the tasks that really should be prioritized as a team. Um, And so they just like to stay busy. And um, 
that's not really a, a that's not a good pull system. That's not a good lean process. Is is to have just busy people, yeah. um, but instead, what we want is is for work. We want to be focused on the work that needs to flow through the system, and so we need to have triggers so we understand who's available for what and how we can help and pull in um, to do our uh, to get that. Um, work that valuable piece of work advancing through that process. Right. Yep. Yeah. One of the questions is, is an, sometimes it's, it, am I working correctly or, but another time is, it, am I working on the right thing? You yes. know, if I have a choice between two different tasks, how do I know as a team member, am I working on the thing that I should be working on? And uh, that's another one of the, the pieces of data that, that a Kanban implementation can provide. Uh, because yeah, you're right. It's not enough for people to just be busy. Although that's the yardstick that I think a lot of people have used traditionally to measure productivity. Right? It's like, well, they look they look busy. They must be doing something. Well, yeah. And, and, but. and I'd like to point out too is that this is bringing not just for the workers, the people doing the work, but for the leaders and managers. It's helping them to transform how they think about what they're rewarding. Because rewarding behavior of keeping people busy versus rewarding the actual completion of, of work um, right. is different. Yep. Yeah. My background as a project manager, you know, everybody worships at the, at the church of, of utilization. So, you know, if I, as long as I can go into my work breakdown structure and put everybody's 100% utilized, right? I'm doing my job. Doesn't doesn't matter if anything's actually happening. Everybody's just really being productive. So yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, and I'm sure everybody, and I know this isn't specific, specifically your area of expertise, but anybody that's done any sort of home construction or remodeling or anything like that will will be the first to tell you that a lot of times, you know, the order of some of that stuff doesn't really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> to the no. to the untrained eye. No. And when you again when you couple that with the eight waste, you just start seeing waste um you know when it starts becoming more visual. I've heard of people using kanban on their home construction projects too and I know I do when yeah. we do construction yeah. and it's it helps. We still move We've, things around but <laughs> Right. Yep. Uh, those, I mean, anybody that knows collaborative leadership team knows the video that we show in our training that, that features my son, Chase, uh, you know, using a admittedly simplistic Kanban board to, to put his shoes on to get ready for the day. And, but that's a really good example, right? It's because it's visual, because it is kind of geared to the understanding of the people that are using it. You know, like you mentioned before, it, it can be utilized in just about any, any walk of life because it is just so innate, right? Like humans being visual learners and things like that, um, which to me is, is, is the fascinating part because just, just like you said, I've seen lots of teams step back from, from a wall and go like, well, that's dumb, <laughs> you know? And it's, I, I didn't say a word. So, you know, that, that, that's the magic part. Well, and it's interesting when you're talking about that is often there's things we do in our processes that are just things that we've just done over the years. And it was based on a different, an assumption that doesn't apply anymore. And so it allows everybody to re-question um, why do we do these things? Um, right. Plus, the other thing we're, we're all kind of suffering with is transfer of knowledge to our next generation. And when we get it visual and we can start talking about it, it changes how we do things. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 
you know, work, how workers choose to do that work is, is the other important part is Kanban really focuses on the work itself, right? And the, the way this is often described is we're going we're gonna to manage the work and let the workers self-organize. So, you know, the idea that we're, we're, we're kind of turning it around, right? In the past, we've always said, well, we need to keep the workers under control. And now what, what Kanban is wanting us to do is, is kind of flip that and say, well, where's the work at? And then that's another way that the team can make a better decision in terms of what needs to happen next. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it, right. it is a it's really nice. And, and especially and we haven't even talked about this yet, that you can do it with just about anything. I mean, I think we've men- mentioned several different industries and, and types of work and things like that. And they're all equally successful at using the, these approaches. So it, it's not just for software. It's not just for manufacturing. It's not for any of that uh, specifically, which is another nice part about it, right? Because once you, once you sort of learn some of these practices and principles, they can apply to anything and, mm-hmm. and that's helpful. So one of the things that, that we hear in training all the time is, well, that all sounds great, but are, are people actually doing this, right? So everybody loves case, story, case studies and, and use cases and things. And so just to be different, let's talk about some of the use cases that we're familiar with that didn't work, right? So what's your favorite Kanban, like, you know, crash and burn implementation? Okay, my favorite one is, is of course, my own. Um, and that was when I was first becoming aware of like, Make work visible. Well, one of the things that goes on in architects and engineers' offices is they love to have, like, beautiful, clean wall space, and they don't like anything on them. So I had to go through this whole culture, like, this whole socialization of, like, can I please put a board up, right? And so immediately I put this board up, and then, of course, it becomes the attention of all. I was the engineering manager of, like, a group of 20, and so I started, you know, like, and everybody's very hesitant. Nobody wants to like go near the board. Like it becomes like the, this very bad thing. <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> don't, don't go near it. And definitely don't let the president see you walk near it and look at it. Um, but what I did is I kind of got the group at least to start putting, we put all of the projects kind of up on the board and it was very um, high level. It was like, we're working on this project and it's in the to-do And then it was like doing and then done, or it was like really simple. So it really became very useless. Like it was like more of like, um, it it just kind of told people they're working on things they already knew that they were working on. And then I never, this was before I had really been trained in Kanban. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand that we should start using this to improve from. And so it became just this laborious task of just keeping all the projects in the right boxes, but nothing was being gained. So I was like, oh, after I um, left that group, um, I know that they pretty much stripped that thing down and went back to their old ways. That was, it's probably the, the <laughs> your going away party, right? They just tore it all down. Um, yeah, mine is actually fairly similar to that as well, because the uh, the the team that I was working with they one of the one of the things about Kanban is you have to agree that this is going to be how you do work, and so um, kind of to piggyback on what you were saying, it sounds like you were sort of doing work and doing Kanban, which really you know isn't isn't ideal as you know. Um, and so this team w- was with a local government group, and uh, they they've heard us make fun of them about this before, so it's not a, a big surprise, but. Um, we got to the end of the presentation and, hey, this is Kanban and here's how it works and all that. And it's like, are you ready to get started? And they said, no. 
<laughs> just <laughs> hard, yeah. flat, no, right? Because they didn't really think that there was anything wrong with the way they were doing work. And so, uh, you know, another, another important part of all this stuff is we all have to agree to work this way because unlike a lot of the other frameworks that we could, we could talk about, Kanban doesn't really have a lot of rules. It's, it's using what you already do right now. And so, you know, the irony is that the level of discipline required on the part of the team is often higher than, than in some of the other frameworks because, you know, they tell you exactly what to do, right? Do this, have this meeting, talk about this. Here's the artifact you have to produce. And, and Kanban is really kind of, a, you know, more of a lens that you look at the way that you're doing the work at. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's plus, funny. Plus, you're the one that told me this, is that um, whip limits, once you start introducing whip limits into those columns, the magic starts happening. Right. And when I was doing the, you know, quote unquote, visualization of work, I, I almost don't even want to call it Kanban. Um, I wasn't using whip limits. Like there's in, in part, partly, I don't know if other people feel this, but sometimes we look at our work and we say, we can't limit the work flowing mm-hmm. in. Yep. And so we have to just take on things in order to start billing on it. Um, that often gets intertwined. So, yep. um, yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why one of the early pieces of data that we want to want to know is where does our work come from? And a lot of times with teams, you know, it's just, well, I check my email or I've got a ticketing system or, you know, the waitress walks in and puts the ticket on the counter or something like that. But that gives us an opportunity to figure out how to start to shape the demand. And, you know, one of the easily one of the things that I've been proud to see with a lot of teams is they start to understand that they are in control of their work on, on some level. Right. It's like whether they've chosen that uh, or, or or are rejecting that ability, it's it is there. Um, but you know, and this is this is sometimes the magic word problem, right? Is they have to actually talk to the customer. And so, you know, the in environments that that's expected and welcomed, then great, you know, it's no problem at all. But uh, in environments where it's not, then, you know, as, as you well know, that's, that's a bridge too far. That's like, oh, no, no, no. We, <laughs> they, they give us these requirements, see, and then we, then we do stuff for them. So, Well, and what I'm noticing too is often there's a false understanding that they're like, and when you said customer, you might mean also internal oh, customer. Right. In other words, yep. Who, yep. who I'm getting stuff from. And yep. like what we'll find, often find is, is like, say, for example, a trade contractor who's, say, producing steel um, and they're going to produce shop drawings and they're going to get it to the engineer of record of the building. Well, usually it has to pass through a chain of hands. And so the trade partner works for a, a contractor, a general contractor. So they have to hand those shop drawings to them. And then they go to, um, say, the architect and then the architect hands them down to the engineer and the engineer might have a perceived thinking that they're not allowed to talk to the trade contractor directly. And so, sure. so, but what I'm saying is, is once we start visualizing work and we see that some of those chains of, com- of control and handoffs, we start questioning some of those things and we get more, uh, better connections going. Right. So um, anyways. Have you ever had the people that were, that were doing those con- or being those connections make that realization? So you know, the obvious joke here is from office space where, 
you know, they, they're talking to the guy that's like, well, what do you, what do you say you do here? Like I, I take the recs from, have you ever, ever had that yeah. person have that realization? Um, usually people like to stay in control of, but when you start asking them, like, could we just keep you informed? But could we like maybe make the handoff direct? Um, they will often go, yeah, that does make sense. That would save me time. So right. I think generally people aren't thinking about how do I give away control? Yeah. Um, but if they feel that there's a safe mechanism where they can still stay aware, they still yeah. meet whatever that need is. Um, so that, that, that happens. Sure. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about successful implementations? Absolutely. We, okay. Yep, that would be go cool. For it. Yep. Um, so what I, what I found is, is um, at least with one uh, of my clients that I'm working with is that there's a bit of pre-work. I always call it's the, the pre-Kanban work. Um, mm -hmm. and, and part of that is, is it's kind of like the me putting a board up in that one company and everybody being afraid of it. Well, right. sometimes you got to put the board up for like three months and just let them live and socialize with the board. And yep. so there, I love that um, Kanban uses the term socialization. And I use that term now. It's, it's a word that isn't used in the AEC industry. And <laughs> sure. there's, a, there's a lot of vocabulary that isn't used in this, in this industry. So mm -hmm. um, it's cool to use that. Um, but what I found is, is when I could start working on some of the lean thinking, like the concept of what a work in process is and what a whip limit might be. Or so I start working on definitions with a team like right. far in advance. Um, so that once, once we start and getting them hungry to see their own process and once they see their own process and then they see how screwed up things are and they, you know, tr a little bit of training of eight ways, I don't know how you specifically, you know, implement. Sometimes you don't have that luxury to work with a team on just building the foundations before right. you can dive into Kanban. But I found that a team, when you get them really hungry for it, they'll really help to make it successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, the the most successful implementation that I'm always proud of was with uh, a local <clears throat> large insurance company. And uh, they they went through a series of, of trainings for four teams where we, we literally went from, here's how you spell Kanban to having boards with stickies on the wall and, and things like that in, in a, like a three-hour session per team. So, you know, something like 12 hours into this thing, they, they had a functional... Um, Kanban implementation and, you know, with whip limits and policies oh, cool. and the whole, the whole thing. And, you know, right off the bat, like I said, we, they stepped back from that wall and they went, why do we have six people all doing media buys? That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Right. And so, you know, as a coach, you're, you're sort of always in that, well, are they going to be tell, are they going to be asking me what they should be doing next? And, and to me, the nice thing about that particular implementation was, is, it was obvious. I mean, they, they saw it from space. And so then it was just a case of getting the teams talking in the appropriate cadence. And, and uh, you know, it, it eventually landed on uh, a, like a 15-minute meeting per Kanban board that had representation from all the previous teams 
So like team A would have their meeting and then team B would have their meeting, but they had a representative from team A. And, and so literally within like an hour, uh, all four of these teams were up to date in terms of the status of the work. And they really were able to achieve a follow the sun uh, kind of work model uh, because they had people kind of, you know, literally around the world. Um, and I just stood back and let them do that. Right. It was like, a, just get out of the, get out of the team's way when they're doing exactly the right work. So that is really cool. And I, you, when I took your training Rand, you showed that. And mm -hmm. what's amazing is, is that those were teams too at different levels of management. And it was really cool. Like the cascading. Um, and I don't mean to use any words that sound like waterfall, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Um, but um, just seeing that buy-in from the leadership. Mm -hmm. In our industry, AEC, we are often plagued with the managers who were promoted because they were a great engineer or a great architect or a great builder. And then yep. what happens is, is they're, so, they're all working managers. So right. they're very, very busy. So it becomes very difficult to kind of get that holistic buy-in. So we're often trying to kind of shift. It's like the train is going down the track and we're trying to shift them um, yeah. to a different work, work thinking. Yeah, and, and, and I've certainly run into that too. And to me, that's, that's been one of the sort of the nice things about it is if you think about it, and this is what you said, uh, you know, a lot of times managers are promoted because of their previous skill set, not because of the skill set that they need. And in a lot of cases, the the Kanban implementations sort of reward that, right? Because you're trying to help their team get better at what they're doing. And just like at Toyota, where you know managers are promoted from the line, they they still can do that job. We're not asking them to just stop doing it. But now we're we're actually giving them tools to get better at helping that team improve. And so, you know, certainly uh, Kanban University considers Kanban training management training uh, because it is sort of aimed at that level. And, and you know, it's, it's usable by everybody from the organization down to the team. Uh, but it really is mostly beneficial for, uh, you know, those, those suffering people in the middle that we like to make fun of so much. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it is, it, it, it is really help for them to say, well, what do I do, right? I don't know how to manage people. I don't know how to do this. And, you know, the answer in a lot of cases is you don't have to. You know, you, you manage the work. You just make sure the team knows what decisions they should be making. And that might be where you're, you're going to be doing a lot of your work is figuring out, well, how as a team member do I know which piece of work to pull next? So that brings up a really good point. So when I'm coaching, I'm spending a lot of time coaching the manager of the group mm -hmm. to, instead of spending their time, because uh, the status of the system should be obvious by the board. So right. instead of, they actually shift their time from the part where they were spending all this time just checking in and getting status updates so that they could manage the status of everything. Now... Right that job isn't required. So yep. I'm helping to shift them towards what scrum folks and agile folks would call product owners. Mm -hmm. um, but they, it's, it's a little twisted because they're functional managers. But what I'm really getting them to do is to focus on, um, often in construction, we call it make work ready. Yep. Uh, 
but getting that ahead of the game and doing the prioritization and almost becoming like that product owner of the backlog. And yep. then, so like they own that column. Right. And that really uh, becomes, once they get that, they feel that now they have purpose again, you know, yeah. versus well, status updates. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think, you know, in, an, in a weird kind of way, it, it gets certainly manage, management behavior gets back to what you're talking about before, right? It's like, if, if I'm supposed to keep busy and I knew how to keep busy as, as my former job, well, now I'm in this new role. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what busy looks like or feels like. And, and so in a lot of cases, the obvious answer is, well, you keep doing your old job. And so a lot of times, you know, like you said, it, it's do your old job and do these other new things. Well, is, is that really what you ought to be doing? I, I don't know. But, you know, let's, let's dive a little deeper because, you know, in the example that I gave with the four teams, I mean, that was absolutely the success criteria for, for the, the overall leader there is, um, you know, she could stop having status reports with every single one of those team members. And, and she got something like 20 hours of her calendar back, like overnight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just for fun, one time we sat down and calculated uh, the cost savings of that. And, you know, I paid for myself. (laughs) So if you're ever wondering where the value of, you know, of a lot of this stuff is like, well, just count the count the dollars of the people that are sitting in those meetings and you'll probably have your answer right there. You know, and thinking about a couple other implementations where I've seen some real success, um, there's okay if for the worker say the worker that's getting a lot of duties from many different sources like for example like the continuous improvement person or maybe like a uh, a role that is like feeding from a lot of different managers who probably aren't talking to each other I've often coached them of just creating a personal kanban getting it up behind them so that when a leader comes to them and tries to put something else on their plate, they're, they're often just overwhelmed with things on their plate and they say yes to everything. So if they could at least look up and go, okay, um, do you want me to do that before I do the thing for, you know, Brad? And all of a sudden it changes the conversation. Um, but it, when it's not visual, it just becomes a yes, I'll do it. Right. The, yeah, the other I'd... thing, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Dr. Dr. Harvey Robbins, who's a a person that we're both familiar with, he calls that plate management. And so, you know, I'm sure that's not original to him, but, you know, if you've got five things on your plate and somebody brings you something else, you know, which thing would you like me to take off my plate so I can do that thing? And and you're absolutely right. You know, if, if there is a visual board on the wall, it's super easy to just say, you know, okay, pick one. I've got five things up there. Which one would you like me to deprioritize? And what's cool about that is now you're starting to uh, introduce the whip limit concept in a natural way instead of theoretical. Right. Um, right. But the other reverse way I've seen this done is when there's a manager, like um, I've talked to a construction executive who does this right out in the job trailer. He keeps a Kanban board behind him of the things that have to get done. And those are the things that he's planning on doing. And what's really cool is, is the junior construction managers that are trying to work their way up the ladder, they look and they see those things behind them and they go, they'll say, Adam, can I help with that? Like, can I do that one? And all of a sudden he has people taking things off of his plate um, and it's self, it's kind of naturally happening. And so that was yeah. a really cool thing to hear. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know, this is exactly what you just said with the, the introducing these concepts in a natural way, right? Like every agile framework talks about collaboration and it says, well, you got to collaborate as a team. Well, how, what, what am I, you know, how am I supposed to do that? And, you know, you just gave a, a great example. If I have all nine things that I've got, you know, all nine plates spinning, if I've got them on a wall somewhere and you walk into my, my room or my space and you see something that you recognize that you can help with, you know, now at least you can ask the question, right? Hey, can I, can I help you with that? Is that some, you know, boom, now we're collaborating. So again, it's, it's, it's a very organic, um, you know, evolving thing to just basically say, here's all the work. What can you help with? Right. Because as we both know, everybody's still going to gravitate toward the things that they're good at and the things that they want to do. Um, but now at least we're opening that tiny little window into, you know, maybe I can help you with that. That, that sounds like something that's more important than what I'm working on. Yes. Um, the other thing is, is let's mention um, kind of transition a little bit. I know, I know the virtual world is a little bit more fluid for software folks, but yeah. I will tell you this, this is a pretty major change for the AEC industry where the way we managed was by butts in seat, looking out and seeing those seats um, yeah. filled. But one of the things I'll just throw out is, is um, I personally have been working with clients where like we physically got a Kanban board up on the wall and the next day COVID you know, yeah. came. And so what I quickly did is I transitioned it all to mural.co mm -hmm. and they, um, you know, it was very like, it, it, it was a little hard at first for folks to be, now I've got to learn another software. I mean, right. like they're putting it up, like I've got to learn another software. And what I, um, and I try to just get them socialized with that tool. Um, but now they're, we've got this Kanban board and we've transitioned it to a virtual environment, but this is not the way they typically worked in the past. So sure. this is, um, but it's been successful that they're, they're actively doing it, but there's only a, a select users that will physically go in the board, which is yeah. unfortunate because part of having it on the wall is that people accidentally run into it. Yep. Well, and I don't, I, I think we've, we've been using that kind of thing more in the, in the software world. I don't know if we're actually any better at it. I think we're just, you know, we're just used to having these remote teams and, and we kind of pat ourselves on the back for having remote teams. But, you know, in terms of effectiveness, uh, I'd say it still varies quite a bit from, from place to place. It's just now it's easier to, to kind of pay attention. But yeah, no. And, and again, that's the beauty of this framework is you don't, you don't have to all be in the same place, right? And, and we've, we've used the word team many times during this conversation, but you know, we also don't have any sort of set size for what that team is, right? That team could be 50 people. That team could be five people. That team could be three people. Who knows? But mm -hmm. because we're focusing on the work, now we're less worried about kind of, you know, how many people we have and how they're relating to each other and all that kind of stuff, which is super helpful. But the one thing I do a lot of systems thinking and, you know, reading um, things like Senge and... Uh, mm -hmm. Danello Meadows. Um, but one thing I know is that um, we all like to, you know, kind of keep your eye on your own ball or keep your eye on your own bobber and just kind of improve at the local level. But the yeah. trouble is, is at the end of the day, 
Um, when we have a bunch of individuals who are all optimizing at their own work level, all yep. we get is a lot of variation. And at the end of the day, we're not really leveraging the real power of groups of folks working in synchronization, which if anybody's interested, Danello Meadows and leverage points, um, you could use those keywords. It's, but thinking in terms of if we're really going to have impact on improving an organization or working in ways that are well beyond individuals adding up. In other words, we're not just the addition of a sum of individuals and yep. that we're, we're exponentially more than that. And right. we need self-organizing methods. And that's what makes me so attracted to Kanban method for our group of folks in our work type. And yep. I love the part, start with what you do now. Because it accepts yeah. you for who you are. Right. Well, and, and I think that's, you know, I, um, for those that, that sort of know my background, you know, I, I live with a scrum trainer. And uh, so we, we have lots of arguments about, you know, words for this and words for that and things. And so, um, yeah, to me, absolutely. The thing that, that's attractive about Kanban is it, it doesn't sort of discount the choices that we've made to get to where we are now. Um, you know, and so, you know, yeah, we've, we've made decisions in the past in terms of structure and who we hired and how we work and what industry we choose to be in and all that. And we're, we're not asking you to throw that out the window. Uh, we're asking that people build on top of what's, you know, already there. And, you know, it's, it's never, this was a dumb idea. It's, Hey, what's a little bit better way we could do this, right? How do we how do we marginally improve? And to me, that's way more palpable than the the big bang kind of, you know, let's let's just tear up the sheet and start over, right? I mean, how many times has that ever worked, really? Yep. I, I can't think of any. So yeah, it, it it's absolutely attractive and and certainly the um, you know, the Kanban focus on everybody's doing the best job that they can. Right, and this is this goes straight back to Deming. Uh, you know, a, a bad system will beat a good person every time, and so you know, there's only so far you can sort of point fingers at individuals before you sort of have to go, well, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, um, in the architect and engineering, well, in the construction industry, we have um, done studies and figured out that every time the field asks a question to the design team, um, yep. they have to do this RFI process and they have to do a submittal and it goes through all these hands. And somebody did a study and found that these things cost about, um, what is it, like $500 or, oh shoot, it's a lot of money, a lot, a per, lot of money. per RFI. So mm. what, what they've, there's some teams that have started doing is, is once an ideation of a potential question comes up, so this is just asking a question that costs this much money. Yeah. Um, but once they get an idea for that question, they throw it up on a Kanban board in the job site. And then when the designers like are circling through, they can see those questions starting to ID, you know, form and they can kind of squelch them or another person could say, oh, I already asked that question and they can just yep. squelch it. And so they often are killing like 75% of their questions before it even hits that paper trail. And mm -hmm. so that's one method, for example, where construction teams are utilizing Kanban before. So it kind of is this evolution of solidifying and, and then moving into to do like doing is actually yeah. an RFI moving through. Nice. 
So, yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, it is the kind of thing where, so I, I'm a, I'm a movie buff and I have to confess I'm, I'm late to the party on this because I finally watched Ford versus Ferrari last night and I know it's been out forever and I know the Kanban crowd is like, it's new fair. So I apologize. Mia culpa Kanban community. I finally watched it. Um, but you know, I, I get it now, right? Because all those scenes where Christian Bale's character does the the lap and then jumps out of his car and says, we got to fix this, we got to fix that, right? Um, you know, that that idea that the person doing the work knows the most about the change, the need to change. You know, to me, that's super powerful and, and it's super empowering because, you know, you, you know, and this is the stereotype, right? Like you want to know how you're your customers feel about you as a company, ask your customer service people, ask your sales folks. They know exactly how your customers feel about you. So um, yeah, the more you can leverage that kind of thing. And, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of the companies that, that we've been exposed to and, and are still working, you know, they're in that sort of old school mentality of, well, here's the leaders and here's the followers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. <laughs> So, and I think we're just, we're just at the point now, everybody's just sort of like, well, yeah, but, you know, can we take that next step? Whoops, can we take that next step to how do we, how do we fix that part, right? And I think these techniques are a big way to do that. What's cool is, is Kanban has allowed me to introduce the concept of experiment, experimenting. So, like, this wasn't a word that we used when it came to how we did our work, Um right before. And so it's allowed me to use it. And I love the way Kanban folks use that is how do we say it? We say um, experiment. What, what's the way the Kanban folks say it? Um, uh, evolve, uh, improve collaboratively, evolve experimentally. Experimentally. Yes, yep. exactly. Um, that's been nice because it gives people, um, we have a, a tendency that if we're going to try to do a different process, we have to perfectly design that process yeah. beforehand. And so it, it hangs us up. And so to just allow people the freedom to fail, that, that, that's been really freeing. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I take it even a step farther, right? Like I like the word hypothesis mm-hmm. because we, we can make a hypothesis about our existing process. And, and it's just like, okay, we're right or we're wrong. Well, that, that doesn't necessarily mean we're changing the way that the work happens because, you know, certainly in construction, uh, I, I want the foundation to be there before I start putting the wall up, right? I mean, that, that <laughs> we, we don't need to do it another way, right? We know that's how the order is supposed to go. Um, but then now, right, you, you know, you, you think about it, just all the advances in, in that that have happened over the last, you know, even even five years or six years. And it's just like, okay, that's great. You know, did it work? Sure. Okay. So, and I think the challenge, and this is, this is the part I think where teams sell themselves short is they have to understand the business rationale for, for making that suggestion as well. And, and, you know, for me, the nice thing about Kanban as well is it starts to teach the team to think like a business owner. And so, you know, it's not just enough to say, well, if we need to do it differently because, you know, doing it this way hurts my back. Okay, great. But as a business owner, um, you know, what else needs to be in, in involved in that decision? And I think the nice thing, certainly using the the policies and, and the things that, that come with the Kanban framework is, 
you know, you've, you've got that ability to start thinking in those different terms. And so in the past, I might have only thought in this very narrow window of, you know, my experience. And now all of a sudden, I'm starting to think about, you know, cost savings and time on the job and safety and all these sorts of things that I never would have had to worry about before. Uh, so that that's another part of that to me that is it's exciting is you start to see people's eyes light up in a different way when they go, well, what if we did it like that? And then it really helps is when review time comes that we actually reward people for having that whole team mindset versus reverting back a team by rewarding them on their local performance. And then we just kind of blew the ownership and the, you know, everything we were trying to do with a Kanban. So, so it's important to marry the Kanban method with how we then reward, how we pat people on the back, like stop rewarding and patting on the back, the firefighters, you know, it's one thing to say, thank you for staying all weekend and doing that. But it's right. another thing, thing to say, maybe we shouldn't be doing that firefighting. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, uh, well, and, and for me that, you know, that's always the Edna model, right? Like no capes. Uh, so from the Incredibles, you know, no capes, no capes. No capes. And uh, we did a, we did a proposal to a company years ago and we showed the, the, Avengers picture, right? The original Avengers movie picture and stuff. And the managers were like, oh, wow, that's really cool. It's like, yeah, look what those guys are standing in. Rubble, right? What do heroes do? They break stuff. <laughs> Name me any hero and what do they do, right? They, they break things down. So, you know, yes, like, you know, to your point, when it's an emergency, when it's crunch time, I, I absolutely want somebody to be there like that. But you can't build a business that way. You can't you can't sustain somebody smashing through a brick wall on a morning you know morning by morning basis. So, yeah, it, it's a very different mindset. And especially if it's the leader that has a mindset that they love. Like I've ran into like leaders of departments that love the firefighting. They love that adrenaline. And yeah. maybe the thing we could do with them is. You know, it isn't like, let's not just fire them because they're, they're doing really great work and we need that. But mm-hmm. maybe we should consider the fact that leading, you know, a, like a paced flow that's supposed to be level and it's supposed to be balanced, maybe them leading a team, maybe that isn't what their strength is and maybe right. shifting them and putting somebody who's not as in you know not as excited by all that adrenaline rush as like leaders of those particular teams mm-hmm. so that they will allow the self organization to happen and to cuz I don't know if you've had problems with kanban where everything becomes in the expedite lane <laughs> yeah and then it's like what are we doing here <laughs> Yeah, we didn't. We didn't really change that much. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and I yeah. think that's the that's the the that's where you start to get into thinking in terms of work as a system, right? It's yeah. it's the people are a very important part of that. But at the end of the day, it's is the work flowing, and and certainly a story that I like and an analogy I like is um, you know a relay race. Uh, you know, once the baton gets passed, we don't really worry too much about what that first leg of the relay runner did. And so, you know, like you said, systems thinking, right? 
the baton crossing the finish line is how we win the race. It's not that there was a stellar first leg uh, kind of thinking. And, and, you know, that right there is probably a, a, as good an indication of any around where the maturity of the organization is. If we are still sort of rewarding folks for that uh, kicking in the door mentality, you know, which again might be depending on what industry we're in really relevant, but how do we get away from that? Right. That's because right. That, it's not sustainable by any definition. And, right. and what we're looking for is sustainability and repeatability. So, And maybe you're in a business where 90% of the work is all this expedite and crazy stuff. But so we start there and then we try to shift. We just try right. to shift. And I would veer towards leaders and managers who are interested in more than just local optimization, are interested in how do we build interconnections? Because yep. I think for the future is going to drive um, more seamless um, flow of work through organizations and um, and not so uh, where folks are just throwing things over the wall um, and using softwares that don't talk to like in our industry we often are using softwares every time it gets thrown over the wall we're using a software that doesn't talk to the one before so teams that can create seamless flow and then yep. Kanban's a great way to see it flow see the workflow right yeah. Yeah. And, and we all lived through an example of this really recently, right? Um, you know, there, there were lots of organizations that woke up on a Monday morning and, and the way that they were doing business was gone. And so, you know, th- there's a couple of choices there. There's figure out a new way to do it or, or there's just close the door and, you know, turn the lights off. So yeah, if you're just because the system that you have in place works, doesn't mean that there's not a better way to do it. And, and I think now as we're discovering a more robust way to do it, right? A more sustainable, um, a more continuous delivery kind of thing. So yeah, this, this is absolutely, you know, the kind of thing that I think the world needs more of, you know, if not, if not to get on too big a soapbox there, but, um, and it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see more and more people realize that, Hey, this is something I could use regularly, what do I, what do I do next? Right. I always tell managers too, like you're, you're awesome. And if you could use Kanban to self-organize the work, you could be spending your time doing the even more awesomer things. Like you could be really focused on what a manager, what a leader should be focused Mm -hmm. on, but instead you're spending your days running around, just tracking down work and trying to find statuses. Right. Yeah, and and that's a conversation that usually happens pretty fast, right? It's like, well, what do you what do you do? And then they'll tell you, and it's like, oh, so you're basically doing the same thing as your staff is, and you're just you're just sort of the safety valve of work, right? Would Would you like to not do that anymore? And they kind of go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, Terry, thanks very much. Uh, any any kind of wrap up that that you want to leave us with? Um, anything you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, I think the world needs more Kanban uh, method out there. And we we really need to uh, be self-organizing and synchronizing our workflow. So I'm all for team Kanban and take training with Rand because he's awesome. <laughs> well, we do have some training coming up. I won't, I won't put the commercial right in the video here, but you know, down below there, there's some information if you want to find out some more about this. Uh, Terry's, Terry's a student, as she's mentioned a couple of times. Um, 
So it is, uh, it, it's, it's a fun training. It's a single day for the, the team level one. And uh, it is sort of specifically designed around adult learning. So it's not just an eight-hour Zoom call slog and, and things like that. So uh, if you're interested, check out a little bit more. Uh, otherwise, thanks very much for, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again real soon.